The following program is produced by the Tech Talk Radio Network. Hey, what's up? Uh, this is Tom Arnold, and uh, you're listening to uh, Tech Talk Radio. They're really great, and uh, I love them. Hey, how about a copy of Windows? Uh, can I get a laptop? Welcome to another episode of Tech Talk Radio. I'm Justin Lemmy. I'm Sean DeWeird. And I'm Andy Taylor. We have the show that covers technology. Computers. And the internet. Guys, how you doing? <laughs> Good to see you. It's been a long time. It ha- you've been out for almost a month on the show. I, I know. Well, I kind of got a new job and all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Sean, that's you- no excuse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, if you're if you have the ability to watch the recording of this episode, you will see Sean standing by his microphone holding a brand new baby, and he's rocking the baby in his arms. Yes, Look so. at him. You know, Sean, yeah, is, it okay? so is it okay if we post this? Yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. adorable. <laughs> he really is. Uh, for, well, we got to ask, Sean. I mean, you're now, what, six weeks in? Fatherhood. First time for you. Yeah, it's been great. Life changing. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. The way he said that. Yeah. No, no. Come on. Be honest. It's had, it's had its challenges, right? But it's. Sure. Everybody says it changes your life, and it really does. But, I mean, yeah. there's been. Sleepless nights. He's he's been a good baby so far, though, right? He's healthy. He's he likes to eat a lot. Good. Uh, it took him a little while to get adjusted to living on the outside. You know, he's he's sleeping hour and a half, two hours for his naps, but then overnight he's sleeping four to five hours already. Well, that's good. Oh, good. That is good. How, how's Caitlin doing with it? She's good. She's upstairs sleeping right now. So I I had to work today. So then I got home and kind of took over. And she ate dinner and then fed him. And it, it was, was bedtime. So he just didn't want to lay down. He didn't want to sleep. So it was about I want to say it was about six weeks that we had when we had Eric. That after about six weeks he started sleeping through the night and we got like super lucky with that because I mean I I know parents you know they say that you know that it's been like two years that their baby hasn't slept through the night. But so I guess we just got super lucky. But yeah, I, now no. I, I remember, you know, when when we had the girls, I was doing a radio morning show. So I was up generally at two thirty in the morning. And so I, I kind of be honest with you, you know, I kind of got out of some of that stuff because because yeah. I, I had to I had to do that. <laughs> You're like, oh, baby's wait, Got to go to work. Bye. <laughs> I've been back to work pretty much went right back to work right away. And oh, uh, wow. It's been pretty easy. Uh, you know, she's been really good. We've had family and friends over to help and help Caitlin get naps and stuff, but really good baby too. He's been being, being very, yeah. just, he's looking around, he's, which I think is great. He's, yeah. He's looking around. He's about to fall asleep. Yeah. But, <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I'm sure that the soothing voice of Andy and Justin and Sean together. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll put them to sleep. Exactly. Yeah. As we do many of our <laughs> listeners. We're sorry about yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I gotta say, you know, we ran uh, a best of, last week on the show and I actually got some comments on it that it was really helpful. We talked about social networking and about Facebook yeah. and how Sean, you had pulled yourself off of Facebook. Now I know some parents, you know, when they have babies, they, they tend to go back onto social media because they want to do a lot more sharing. Has that been anything that is kind of driven you in the direction of, of going back to social media? Not one bit. No. I know that good. I know that my our parents were eager to post stuff and we kind of held them off for about, about, a, about the full month. Yeah. But my dad did sneak a couple pictures into some comments on Facebook and stuff. Cause he was, you know, their, their parents, their grandparents, like they're, they're proud of, we did finally put a post out probably two weeks, two weeks ago now, uh, to Caitlin's Facebook page, just with a couple pictures and kind of just saying like he was born. So, Hello, you know, welcome to the world. Yeah. 
Yeah. But other than that, we haven't now, posted anything else on social media. Your so. your brother, how many brothers do you have? Two. Two. Do they have kids or is this the first grandchild? No, no. They have they both have kids and uh Okay. My my oldest brother has two kids, uh seven uh sixteen and Is that Ryan? 10, Nathan. And then Ryan has four kids, eighteen, okay. sixteen. Oh my gosh. Not, 11 and 9, I think. So wow. take it, you were the baby. Yeah. Yes, I'm yeah. the youngest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, uh, that is super cool. Congratulations to the two of you as well. That's you were awesome. going to, now have you hooked up that uh, baby monitor yet? You were talking about doing that. Well, yeah, I had, I brought it down because it's up in the room, but he, he was going to show the best net. Is that the now, this is the infant, or... infant Optics, the inf- Infant Optics ah. DXR8 Pro. And if I, I can turn it on, at least and see a little bit of it. But no, uh, oh, it died right away. But it, yeah, it, battery's uh, dead. It, uh, we unplugged oh. it earlier and had it running and forgot to charge By it. By the way, here's a tip about those baby monitors. The, 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 I, I found this with my baby monitor as well. The battery inside, after using it for a while, the battery will die a lot faster than normal. And you'd be like, wow, the battery's just failing. It's actually just something with the firmware inside. All you got to do, take out the battery, disconnect the battery, even if it's dead, disconnect it from the, uh, the, the unit for like, I don't know, like five seconds or so, plug it back in, then start to charge it. You'll get your full battery life back. Oh, that's good. It's something to do. It, 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 this, this goes across a lot of different platforms of baby monitors. But if you have a baby monitor that's the battery is dying quicker, just Physically disconnect the battery from the unit for like five seconds, plug it back in, then recharge it. You'll get your full battery life back. One of the things um, that I found uh, recently with social media, we were talking about that uh, before, but there's a new app and I wanted to kind of let people know about it. You know, we've got, we got so many choices, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, um, WhatsApp, WhatsApp, uh, you know, Twitter, yep. TikTok. Yeah, see, there's a lot of them. Well, they've just there's a new one now that a lot of the kids are starting to use. Um, I downloaded it to try it out, and there are some some of us older people that are on it as well. It's called Be Real. That's B E R E A L. Now, Be Real does it in a different way. Now, with Instagram, Snap, and many of the others, you could take a picture anytime you want and post it. But Be Real's idea was we want to be able to share people to be able to share as their life is not staged. So what happens is uh, with the be real <laughs> app, right? You take a picture when you're prompted to take a picture and it'll be a random time throughout the day. So, Oh yeah. That's not going to keep you addicted to social media. Yeah. So you might get it at seven o'clock and seven o'clock in the morning or eight in the morning. And you know, if you let it go, it'll say, Oh, it delayed it for you delayed it for two hours or three hours or four hours. And it could be somebody waiting to post when they get into a better situation. You know, I've used it and it's weird because it takes a picture of what you're looking at. But I'm just going to take a picture of myself doing my morning business. You know what I mean? That's the thing. Hopefully people will understand. No, you can delay it. There are certain things you you don't want to do on that. But then it will take a picture of you as well. And users can switch between the picture of you holding the camera. Some people are getting smart. They're putting a little red lens over that that camera but uh again you could go back and forth i don't know if the app will fly it's just started in the last couple of weeks and more and more people are talking about it um i've used it it's i mean it's kind of fun you know it shows hey i've already had some people ask oh where's tech talk radio and i'll say oh we're on the web at techtalkradio.com 
So hopefully we'll we'll get some users. It's like most social networking. It all begins through invitation. Um, and, you know, hopefully it's, it's something. But it's good to know that this is out there. Again, the Be Real app. Now, Sean got himself a new graphics card. We want to find out about that. But we've been waiting for Justin to get his monitor. This is a monitor. And I'll tell us a little bit of backstory of this. This is something you bought through a Kickstarter. Yeah, actually, it was. Uh, so back in 2019, I had kicked, I had funded a Kickstarter uh, for a company called Eve. And they're a company that has made uh, computer monitors in the past. But they were coming out with the perfect gaming monitor. And it was all crowdfunded, obviously, being on Kickstarter, but it was all crowd designed. So they would basically ask gamers, what do you want to see in your perfect monitor? Um, so people would comment, oh, I want to see 4K. I want to see 1440p. I want to see HDR. I want to see, uh, you know, USB uh, uh, 3.2, uh, or I want to see uh, DisplayPort 2.1. Or things like that. So they kind of designed this monitor around the people that would get the most out of it. And I thought it was a great idea. So back in 2019, uh, I funded it for $100 as a pre-order. And they said that it was going to be shipped out early 2020. Well, we all know what happened in 2020. COVID hit. Everything got delayed. Everything basically got shut down. So I was like, ah, no big deal. Like, I'll wait, right? Yeah. So 2021 comes. They're like, hey, uh, we're just starting to get back into things. You know, COVID's still kind of a thing. So I was like, all right, no big deal. Let's let's wait. So 2022 comes. And they before 22 hit, they were like, hey, we're really close to being ready to ship out the uh, pre-orders. So... When you get your notice that your monitor is ready, go ahead and pay for it, and we'll ship it out to you in like two to three weeks. Now, granted, this is all coming from China, right? Yeah. So I got my notice on my birthday, January 20th of 2022. It said, hey, your monitor is ready. You owe us the balance. And the balance was like $480 or something. So the monitor itself was like $600. That's amazing for what you would get out of this monitor. I'm thinking, holy cow. I mean, this is going to be an amazing monitor. It's got LG panel. It's got all the bells and whistles you would think. It's got 240 hertz. Uh, it doesn't have HDR. That's the one downside. Mm -hmm. But it has everything else you would need, right? 1440. So like, yeah. So I was like, all right, cool. I'll get it, right? Boom. I immediately paid that balance. And they're like, all right, uh, it'll be shipped out in like three weeks. So three weeks go by. We're in the middle of February. Nothing. I'm like, okay, uh, what's the deal? And they're like, oh, yeah, um, we got delayed again. Um, it's going to be April. <sighs> okay, fine. All right, I waited this long. I might as well wait a little bit longer. So then April comes, and April has almost gone. And again, nothing. So then I, I reached out to support again. I'm like, guys, what's the deal here? You, There's been no communication from you, except, actually, I take that back. The only communication has been from them is, hey, you should go ahead and buy our other products now. Now that you're on our mailing list, you should go ahead and buy the upgraded version of this with the glossy panel. Or you should go ahead and buy this version of this and this version of this. And I'm like, hey, guys, how about you just send me the product that I actually ordered 
instead of trying to get me to buy extra stuff from you. Yeah. So they're like, oh, well, your monitor will be shipped out in April. So again, April has come and almost gone. Yeah. I have no monitor to show for it. So I reached out to them yesterday. I said, what's the deal? April's almost come and gone. Are you going to ship this to me tomorrow? Like, what's 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 the deal? Oh, yeah. Hey, um, thanks for your email. Um, yeah, we kind of got delayed again. Um, it's going to be quarter, late quarter three, early quarter four of 2022 now. And I'm like, okay, no, no, I'm wow. done. This is, this is BS. You're talking right? two years now. Yeah. We're yeah. It, over about. two years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah, a little bit more than two years. I'm like, guys, no, this is BS. I said, I have been one of the original Kickstarter backers. And based on everything people have been talking about on your forums, this is exactly the company that you that people think you are. You are a shady company that deals in shady products, and everybody is thinking that you're just doing a cash grab. What you did was you got everybody to fund, fully fund these monitors, and then you turn around and say, yeah, we're not ready yet. Yeah, is there any, so now, is there any warranty in a Kickstarter that, they, that it's going to happen? No, there's no warranty in a Kickstarter. You can lose, you can definitely lose your money in a Kickstarter. However, I did fully fund the monitor. Now, granted, I did the the fully funding part of the monitor and the Kickstarter with my American Express Platinum card. Ah, there's benefits to that. Yes. Now, so I contacted them and I said, "You I said I demand a full refund." I said, "This is this is getting Ridiculous. It's one thing to think about too. Even if they ship first quarter or, or quarter three or quarter four of this year, we're talking about August, like July, September, August, October. September, yeah, that monitor more than is likely two is, years old already, and it's going to be outdated. And yeah. you, you don't you don't ask for full funding of a Kickstarter unless you have that product ready to ship. Full funding, yes, exactly. And that's what they told us. They had them ready to ship, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh. By the way, yeah, so what we did was we wanted to go ahead and give you guys the glossy panel with the glossy screen because you've waited so long for this product. So I'm like, wait, hold up, hold up. You just basically took the products that we ordered that we've been waiting for so long, decided to hold them back to give us an upgrade that none of us even asked for Mm -hmm. to make us wait even longer. Are there people in the forums that are going through this as well? Oh, absolutely. Everybody. And everybody is losing their mind. I mean, there's a few people left and right are like, oh, well, I can just wait for it. I'm like, yeah, good luck with that. But most, the majority of people are like, that's it. We're getting refunds. This company, I knew it. I I shouldn't have done this in the first place. I knew the history of Eve. We thought that we were going to be better this time. This, This company is complete trash. And don't ever, ever order anything from Eve. So here's the thing is I reached out to them and I said, I want a full refund. They said, well, we'll refund the uh, full purchase price, but we, we're not going to refund your Kickstarter. And I'm like, no, you will refund my Kickstarter. And they called my bluff. They said, oh, well, have fun trying to, basically they said, have fun trying to do a chargeback on that. Wow. And I said, and I said, I said, hey, I have American <laughs> Express Platinum. They don't, they don't put stop limits on chargebacks. No. So, so they were like, I said, you will give me my entire money back. 
or else I'll fire, file a fraud complaint against you from American Express. And if you haven't dealt with American Express before, good luck. They're relentless. They are they relentless. They take care of their customer, yeah. Yes. So I'm very, very close to calling American Express, probably tomorrow, and saying, I want a full chargeback upon this company, and I want to file a fraud alert. Because they are just leading on their customers, taking their money, and not delivering the product. And the forums uh, are basically... Oh, you, and you I do. mentioned to them, too, by the way. I mentioned that I'm going to be talking about on Tech Talk Radio. So. <laughs> that is unfortunate. And that's that's a sad thing. You know, a Kickstarter is put together to help out somebody that has an idea, that has something they want to do, and it gets them the money to be able to... The seed money to make it happen. Yeah. But of they course. need to follow through and make that product... Whether it, whether it bankrolls them to, to the point that they don't have any money left, you know, yeah, that's the challenge of Kickstarter. You, you, you got a good product. You, you got to you, Kickstarter is kind of a different beast. You, you can get a lot of money from Kickstarter from these in, individual investors, but you better deliver on your product Yeah, because that can make or break you. And this company has been around for a while. And I think is that they could not afford to do a standard product anymore because they were such a shady history behind them that they had to go back to Kickstarter. And now they've screwed that up, too. Uh, and the fact of the matter is, by the, like you said, by the quarter three, quarter four, prices could also be dropping. We're seeing that in many other areas yep. uh, when it comes to you know our technology. Uh, and now GPUs. I, I'm so happy that... GPUs are finally starting to come down. Now, I feel bad yeah. for oh, everybody gosh. that said, I said, I got to have the 3080 and spent $2,200 on a 3080 only to find out now they're dropping now very yeah, close. Yeah, you're dumb. Very you're dumb close if you did to that. MSRP. I mean, so I bought, I bought this uh, 1050 Ti when I was doing my build. I had to build. I wanted to do a build, but the problem was GPUs were difficult. This was still $250. This is well, honestly, I mean, yeah, okay. This is honestly about a hundred and fifty dollar, you know, GPU card. But you know, it, it's what I did. I didn't buy. I didn't but, want to go drop all that but money. Sean, Sean just recently got. Oh, car, right? Sean. Yeah, Sean. Tell us what you got. An amazing deal. Yeah. So I had a buddy of mine who, actually, it's the buddy who gave me all these computer parts, right? That I helped him go through when his uncle passed away, and he's been upgrading, and he wanted to get the 3090 founder, whatever the founder's edition 3090 or whatever had just come out. So EVGA had a lottery on their website. You signed up and they gave you a code. And when that code came active, you had 24 hours to buy your card. Oh, wow. So he got the code, pulled the trigger and then said, do you want my 3070? And I said, yeah, sure. I'm looking (laughs) to upgrade from my, the 1070 that I bought from you, Justin. Mm-hmm. And I said, "How much do you want for it?" He goes, "Well, I he paid four fifty for it originally. I don't know how he got that how good of a deal on it, right?" He said, "I'll give it to you for three fifty. Wow! Oh I, my god, I sent, I'm so I jealous. Sent, I, we weren't going to tell you at first, Justin, until you were on the show. <laughs> but I, when I got the box, I couldn't resist just sending you a picture of the box. You figured it out pretty quick, but yeah, yeah. But I had no idea what you paid for it. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> that is yeah, a great so, price. Uh, yeah, he hooked me up, gave me a good deal on it." Uh, it's in my machine. It's uh, running, runs fine. So, have you noticed uh, performance a little better on it? Yeah. So I reinstalled well, uh, Flight Sim. I reinstalled <laughs> Flight Sim, and I see performance in the VR uh, side of things. Um, so I'm excited about <sighs> I that. I still can't do any. I still can't do any Flight Sim in VR. I think it's my processor. I bet. Yeah, you know, I, I haven't had any problems with it. So, what do you got for a processor? I Tom? have the Ryzen 7 5800. 
Okay, so what is that equivalent to Intel speak? Probably an early for like, like an early Gen i nine, probably. Okay, so yeah, see, I don't, yeah, no, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I'm still on the i seven eighty seven seventy. Oh yeah, so you yeah. May, maybe. Oh yeah, you need to. They're already. I into just the upgraded, series. man. <laughs> That's the story of a tech life, man, right there. Yeah, yeah when you just upgrade. Um, I ran into a bit of a problem. we got to take a break uh, with the new build that I put together that could help some people. We'll talk about that when we come back. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Sean DeWeird. And I'm Justin Lemmy. Find us on the web at techtalkradio.com. We'll be right back. And now, back to Tech Talk Radio. So before the break, we were talking about technology and building our own systems and you know, Sean adding a graphics card. Justin, eh, probably going to be looking at a new motherboard and processor. You probably <laughs> you you'd have to do the board, right? Oh I'm, yeah, I'd have to. I'd have to upgrade the board. I like the uh, the five ninety. That's the one I'm using from ASUS. I've been okay. pretty pleased with that one. But I ran into a problem with my new build. I finally hooked it up. I finally got it all set up, and my problem was my mouse. Now remember, before I was using the half nine thirty two, which is a huge case. I mean, it's enormous. It's bigger than most cases, uh, and I mean, this is a, a gamer's delight case. There's a lot of room. I've got the V8 uh, uh, cooler in there from Cooler Master, which was great. Took up a lot of space, and I love that computer. Don't get me wrong, but switching it was something I really needed to do. So I got a new mother- motherboard processor. I got 32 uh, gigabytes of RAM using you know M2 technology now, but I ran into a problem with my mouse for some reason. You know, it's a, I use a wireless mouse from Logitech, uh, the MX, which I absolutely love. And mm-hmm. I have the little wireless, you know, device that plugs into a USB port. And like uh, the Half 932, which has got a huge form factor, I plugged it in to the front of it. My mouse kept freezing up. And there's nothing worse than you trying to use a mouse and move it around the screen when it's like jaggy, right? So I go into my settings because it's a new Windows install. Everything looks right. Made sure I installed the drivers. And then I thought, okay, we'll move it to the Seagate that I have on top that has a USB slot on that. So I went in and did that. Still nothing. It was just driving me nuts. I'd be doing editing and I'd have to move the mouse. And so if this ever happens to you, it could be because the case I'm running now is a small Corsair case, much smaller, half the size. And having that USB port at the very top for wireless I think was actually getting feedback running into wireless interface from the, the fact that it's much smaller, it's closer. I ended up moving that wireless plug to the back of the computer to one of the USB slots in the back. And now I've not had no problems. So for some reason that does fix it. So if you run into that issue, it may not necessarily be your mouse. It could be where the wireless is located. And on this new build, having it on top, of the computer was not a, not a good idea. Remember, there's, there's a lot of uh, RF going through that because of the, the, yeah because of the, the lighting, you know, they're all using yep. the RGB lighting, the whole bit. It looks pretty, but that uh, did solve my problem. Now, Justin, you got a new job and we haven't really had a chance to talk to you about how that's working out and what kind of technology are you kind of involved in with this? Yeah. So I did, I did get a new job. I, uh, I moved up from, being just a network engineer uh, for my previous company, Nexstar. I am now the manager of IT for Highland Hills Parks and Recreation District. Very cool. So that's in Denver here. And it's actually located just about 10 minutes from my house. 
and it's up the street at Waterworld. Is it closer than your previous employer? Oh, absolutely. It's about 20 minutes closer. Mm. Um, you know, it's my, my previous job was about 30 minutes away. This is 10 minutes at the most. Um, so it's up, it's up the street at Waterworld. Okay. So Waterworld is one of the most famous water parks in America. It's actually legendary because it was actually uh, the first water park in America to offer a multi-seat water slide. So, you know, you get the big tubes where m- m- you know multiple people will sit in the tube at the same time. Right. Uh, that was the first park to ever do that. And it was 1979. Oh, wow. They did that. Oh, well, I got to yeah, visit. So, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a very legendary water park. Um, and it's, it's huge. It's, it's massive. It's actually America's largest water park by square footage. It's 75 acres. Um, yeah, so it's huge. It's a massive water. They have a gondola. To take you from the bottom of the water park to the top. That's how big it is. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this so is your view outside your office window, right? Absolutely, yes. I have a view of the water park directly from my office window. So I, I'm so again, I'm the manager of IT. Um, and uh, and so my job is 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 a lot different than my other job because you know, my other job I was strictly just doing networking and routing and switching. I'm doing everything now from from security cameras to uh, you know, Windows, uh, a lot of it is Active Directory. A lot of it is um, dealing with servers, like server checks, like making sure that we've got, um, you know, server checks, like we're making sure we got like uh, updates, uh, we're running antivirus software, you know, all that stuff. And then I do have actually, I, for the first time in my professional career, now not counting the military, because in the military, I was also a manager, but in the, my professional career, my first time is as an actual manager. So I do have an employee that works for me, but he's does more of like the desktop, you know, specialty mm-hmm. stuff where he goes around and makes sure that everybody's desktops are good. He does a lot of the, you know, the, the, the day-to-day running around for, for me where I'm doing a lot of the back end stuff where I'm managing, um, you know, like I said, uh, malware, I'm, I'm managing user accounts, Things like that. So do you, it's, do you have it's, to do fun. You, do you have to do user education for anybody within the department that you know about? Because you have to let people know. Okay, this is what you don't want to click on. This is malware. Well, yeah. This is what you you do want to be able to accept. Here's so, how to read when something's fake. So yeah, we're going to be doing that soon. I'm going to be doing a, a a class on that. We do have a monthly uh, a meeting where we all get together and we talk about a different department. And I'm I'm assuming that very soon I'm going to be featured in that particular meeting mm-hmm. where we're going to talk about the IT department. And yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to mention. One thing I really wanted to point out, I really wanted to give a lot of credit to Malwarebytes. Um, Malwarebytes was a program that, you know, initially started out as a freeware program. You could get it. You could, you could kind of scan your computer for some malware and stuff, but they have come a long way. Really? I haven't used them in a while. They have come a long way. They've gone into the enterprise side of things. So we have Malwarebytes Enterprise, which is comes with a program called Nebula Console. And the Nebula Console it allows us to get an insight into every single one of the endpoints that we have on our network and everybody that has Malwarebytes installed. And it will immediately alert me to any type of uh, malware that's on any of those machines. And not only that, I actually just purchased today, actually it was, it was actually today, I actually just purchased um, uh, another subscription to the Malwarebytes Endpoint Detection and Remediation. 
Now, I'm not going to get into too much details, but I want to tell you the best feature about that. If we get hit with ransomware, and ransomware is a big thing, right? You don't that's want the that. one that yeah. that's the one that like encrypts all your files and it tells you, ha ha ha, your computer's been ransomed, blah, blah, blah. You must pay us in Bitcoin, right? You, yeah. you, you know those stories. With malware bytes, endpoint detection remediation, automatic 72 hour rollback. Really? So if any computer gets infected with malware, boom, or ransomware, excuse me. Boom, I can roll it back before the ransomware ever got affected and we're back to normal again. Now, uh, malware bytes was always kind of I don't want to say inex- I don't want to say inexpensive. Oh, uh, it's expensive now. It, and uh, it's gone up, but their heuristics yeah. are in place so that way they're able to detect something before it's in yes. the wild pretty much. Absolutely. Yes, they are very they are really really good at what they do now. I mean, honestly, I kind of wrote off malware bytes yeah, me many too. years ago thinking that, yeah, they're just, yeah, whatever. No, they have gone on to more of the enterprise side of the of the house, and they what they offer is really, really good. As a matter of fact, if I get a notification that a particular endpoint has malware, I can isolate that endpoint completely. What I mean by that is I can actually lock the user in place, log off their machine forcefully, and shut down their internet connection with one click of a button. And, and the thing is, is I know I can isolate it and shut it down. The only thing that it will communicate with is the malware bytes console. So I can still manage it. I can still remediate the, 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 the threat from malware bytes, but that user cannot do anything. They can't click on any links. As a matter of fact, it locks their computer, goes back to the Windows lock screen and says, your computer has been locked due to ransomware or malware Contact your IT administrator for assistance. Nice. And I can work in the background. I can work on their computer in the background without ever having to be on their computer. Well, you know, I'm paying for an annual subscription for uh, Norton from Symantec. And, oh, gosh. You no. know, and I'm, I'm kind of wondering, maybe I should also take a look at Malwarebytes or yeah. Malwarebytes could be an end-all solution. Yeah, well, Malwarebytes doesn't strictly do... I mean, they 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 kind of concentrate on malware, not necessarily antivirus. Mm-hmm. So you probably would want to go with another antivirus solution on top of that. Right. But malware bytes, the enterprise version, or even just their their, their prosumer, if you will, it's really really good. Honestly, it's really I, really good. I paid for the premium version, and I don't remember what I paid for it or what I paid for it, but it it always pops up says you were blocked from this website or. There was a potential Trojan that could have been on your machine, but we blocked it. Yep. Yeah. How many yep. times have and we you've gone through a website and, and you get a, a drive by where you just you hit the website and boom, you start getting everything popping up, and so it would block that from happening. Yeah, yeah. it would block that, it, and it would say it's been quarantined or it's been deleted. It usually just takes care of it right away. So yeah. it's uh it's been great, and I'm trying to see how much I pay for it because it looks like it renews every ninety days. So ninety days. Oh, wow. do you have a ninety day? So you can go to malwarebytes.org to get more info on that, right? I think that's the yeah, website. Mal- Malware- malwarebytes.com. Yep. Oh, it's My dot, Malware- oh, com. This okay. dot com? Okay. So you can go to malwarebytes.com to get yeah. more info on that. But honestly, I just I love the job. It's it's great. It's, it's, it's something good. new every single day. I'm very happy with it. Now, let me ask you, what is the difference between desktop support one and desktop support three? You know, I'm, I'm on a lot of these job sites, and I'm seeing different 
you know, oh, we're looking for desktop support one, or we're looking for desktop support three. Which, <laughs> wait, what? Is, what is the difference on these? I have no idea. Okay, I, I I think that's just jargon. I I don't I I have no idea. All right, desktop support is desktop support. I mean, unless they're trying to talk about like if you're going to be doing more back end, uh, you know, Microsoft Azure Active Directory things like that. That's all I can think of. But honestly, that just sounds like a bunch of jargon. There you go. All right, we're going to take a break. We come back. We talked with the people over at Five Star Data Recovery. And when it comes to your hard drives, whether they be internal or external, nothing worse than you hear the click of death or you hear, you see that the drive is not making the connection. It doesn't get identified. What do you do in that case? We're going to talk with Five Star, how they got into the business. We'll also talk about some of the misconceptions when it comes to data recovery. There is some data recovery that you could possibly do yourself using software. But when it comes to something more intricate, when it comes to recovering that data, what is needed to be done and what you probably shouldn't be looking at when it comes to that? And what are some of the things that can actually help you if you ever have a drive fail? That'll be coming up with Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Sean DeWeird. And I'm Justin. Let me find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash tech talkers. We'll be right back. Now, back to Tech Talk Radio. Hey, everybody out there in Radio Land. This is James Young from the Rock Band Sticks. If you are technically challenged, if you got trouble with that computer yours, because Lord knows I do, you need to listen to Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. You know, uh, for years, you know, I've been so intrigued by what has happened in the world of technology when it comes to our, our data and our hard drives. And, you know, what happens when they fail? And it happens. And we, you know, like to think, well, hopefully we've made a backup, but in some cases we may not have done that. So what happens when that fails? Well, you go to a company like Five Star Data Recovery. We've been uh, connected on Twitter for years, been following them, uh, always posts great stuff there about, you know, what happens to the technology inside your PC, your laptop, now even your smartphones, uh, when your, your data becomes corrupted or a problem with the drive itself. And so we reached out to him and wanted to get them on the show. Head engineer and owner of the company, Vahan Hovsepian, is with us on the line. Uh, Vahan, thank you so much for coming on Tech Talk Radio. Thank you for having us, Andy. Now, tell us, for the listeners who, who have never had to think about data recovery, you know, you're one of those, it's like a car mechanic. You might not think about them until you have a problem. Uh, tell us a little bit about five-star data recovery. Sure, yeah, of course. Like I said, uh, a lot of people never knew about data recovery or what it is until some catastrophe happens and and they need us but some people never ever will need us some of us they might need us multiple times so uh we started in the company in 2014 um family-owned business um yeah and we service all kinds of devices that carry data so cell phones laptops tablets cameras um anything that stores data so um Primarily, we work more with hard drives itself, but also with yeah. phones and any other device that stores data. So, what made you decide? Like, you know, you're 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 working with technology, but what made you decide? You know, what I would like to kind of get into to doing data recovery. Uh, initially, happened we were first in the computer repair business before we got into data recovery, mm-hmm. uh, and then my mom had an issue with her hard drive with all of our childhood photos and family photos stored on it, so. We were seeking online, trying to find a company that can help us get the data back. And everywhere we were calling, we were getting absurd prices mm-hmm. from $1,000 to 2000 to $4,000. So 
I said, I'll try to see if I can help my mom out and see if I can get the data back. And then that's kind of how the journey started. Uh, started buying one small piece of equipment, doing some research, connecting with other engineers throughout the world. And then after spending tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars, we got to where we are now. <laughs> well, and it certainly pays off, though, because you've got an excellent reputation uh, that you you can see. I mean, your, your uh, users are very happy with what you're able to do. And honestly, isn't there... Because I've done the recovery, not mechanical, but more data extraction. Isn't there kind of a, there's kind of a, a personal satisfaction when somebody has that fear that they've lost, you know, thousands of photos that they never backed up and you're able to recover them for them? Of course, of course. That's really what it's all about for us. It's so rewarding being able to bring back something that people just can't replace. Uh, it, it's priceless. Uh, I mean, the money is, is great. That's awesome. But that's really not what it's about for us. We really enjoy being able to help people and the reaction we get out of them once the case is actually solved and we get the data back. It's, it's, it's priceless. Now, you, you take it a, a step kind of further with, with tools that are available on the market. You know, we've got tools that, oh, I accidentally deleted this file. Somebody could buy a software program that will, you know, undelete that file. In some cases, there's some, they're, they're pretty expensive, which can go in and even after a format, recover some of the software. What is the difference between like saying an undelete program versus what Five Star is able to do when it comes to getting that data? Uh, the main difference between what we would do and what an average consumer would do is the process we use behind it. So we use software also, just as a consumer would. But the difference is, instead of us working with the original drive, we first make a copy of the drive, a one-for-one -one clone, not just the, what the data is on the drive, but deleted recovery. We need to get a one-for-one -one clone of the entire drive sector by sector, including all the unused space, because the deleted files are stored on the unused sectors, not on the used sectors. So we first clone the drive, put the original aside and work off the clone that's the main difference because the mistake people make with deleted file recovery is they'll delete a file off of their laptop and they'll download an undelete software off the internet onto that same laptop <laughs> that they're trying to recover the data yep. from so of course that's a big no-no and then by the time they know that that was not supposed to happen that had already happened and also another problem with software is uh, people running this software on SSD drives or flash media. Mm. So even if you don't install the software onto the actual flash media, you're still running it and something called trim kicks in, uh, which can cause damage to the deleted files and permanently delete the files. So never a good idea to run software. It seems like a very simple, easy recovery, but it's just not worth it if the data is important. Now, you, you mentioned SSD. I, I mean, technology and drives have come a long way, you know, from SCSI to IDE to, you know, SATA drives to SSD drives. I mean, um, has this made kind of your job a little easier when it comes to the, the recovery with where we're at today? Or has it made it more complex, especially working with SSD? Definitely been more complicated. Because, yeah. uh, uh, and, and we see more and more customers every time we do the recovery, we're done, they'll start bringing in their new transfer drives and they'll be like, oh, I got an SSD. Great. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I mean, maybe use SSD. That's okay. But make sure you get another old school mechanical spinning drive. Difference being with the mechanical drive, the data is physically stored on an actual disk. It's something you can see when you open it up. It, it's on a disk, something physical. With SSD drives, all the data is stored on NAND chips. So and everything's so condensed on that chip, 
if the chip fails or the controller fails, chances are there's no way you're going to get that data back, especially if it's the NAND chip where the data is stored. If it's the controller, we can try to find ways on try possibly bypass the controller as long as there's no encryption, all these things, we can try to get to the data. But SSD drives, my opinion is I would stay away from them. It's great if you're using it as a main drive, as long as you have a second backup of that drive and you're constantly syncing your backups, it's okay, but we don't recommend, recommend going with SSDs at all. Yeah, it seems like, you know, some of the manufacturers like Western Digital and others are really kind of getting getting users, especially now with larger sizes, to really think about the idea of RAID, uh, of a one-to-one backup. So as you're you're storing it on one, you know, they've got the, the Duo, which is out now, so it stores it on one and uh, stores it on the other as well, which is, which is good. I mean, they've been years telling people backup, 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 now making it uh, a little more redundant when it comes to having your data. Now... One thing I've really applauded you, Vahan, for doing with Five Star is, you know, with the post that you make on Twitter, you remind people when you hear that clicking and there's been so many wives tales over the years, take the drive and put it in the freezer or hit it with a hammer. Um, when they hear that clicking sound of the hard drive, what is really seriously and it's not being recognized what should the, the end user do? They should stop immediately. And I think the problem is a lot of people is they don't, they don't realize it's clicking until it's too late. And I, of course, it makes sense because if the drive is in your computer, how would you know it's clicking? You're not really going to hear it. Yeah. But I think what the user should do is at the first sign that they see that the computer is not working or the hard drive is not functioning, just really quickly turn it off. You really want to diagnose it then fine, you can take a second to do it, but as soon as you turn it on, put your ear as close as possible to it and see if it sounds normal. Does it spin and stay spinning? And if it is spinning, great. Now is it making any sounds? If it's not making any sounds and it's still running and you want to play around with it a little bit before you bring it into a professional, that's fine. But the second you hear a sound, you want to stop. Because if it's making a sound, something inside is definitely broken. Yeah, and sometimes the more you turn it on, yeah, the more you turn it on, the more damage you're writing because that arm can actually dig into the the platter itself. Is that right? Exactly, definitely. So I'm sure you've seen a lot of our posts on Instagram or Twitter. When those arms are are bent, the heads are bent. Every time you're turning it on, it's clicking. You're just scraping away at the disc. Mm -hmm. The other mistake that uh, some people have have made, and I have to ask you: Has anybody ever brought one of these into you, uh, Vahan, uh, where they've gone ahead and just opened it up? They just said, I'm going to go ahead and see it. Maybe I can move that little arm thing because they heard about it. <laughs> Have you seen that? Plenty all the time. The number one thing we get is the issue with stiction, which I'm sure you know what it is, where the heads are actually stuck on the platters. Yeah. Um, and when you turn the drive on, the drive is making a beeping-like sound, the, probably the most common issue we see here. And there's this video online with, I think, like 11 million views showing people how to open the drive cover and fix oh. this problem, which... Is horrible. We messaged the the person who posted that video and telling them, please take this video down or put a disclaimer, something very clearly that says your data will be lost forever. Chances yeah. are high. This is not going to work. But he didn't want to respond. He likes making more money off that. So it is what it is. But yeah, we see it all the time. And 99% of the time, it doesn't work. Because the problem is in that video, you see him doing it and it works. But most of the time, it doesn't. What has to be done is, yes, we are doing the same process as you see in that video. But we're doing one extra step is when we pull the heads off of the platters, we actually take the heads out of the drive. We inspect it under the microscope to make sure it's not broken. Yeah. Because if the part you brought back is broken, then you power it on, then it's game over. 
Yeah, exactly. It's digging into it again. Now, one of the things that yeah. ben- benefits of five-star data recovery in is that you have an ISO certified white room. Now, uh, listeners may have no idea what that means. Um, how does that apply to the kind of work that you do? I mean, we're, we're talking almost surgical when it comes to drive repair. Yes, definitely. So uh, we have a certified clean room uh, in-house. So all the jobs, all of our cases get done here. So the room is super clean, no contamination, no dust particles whatsoever. And it's extremely important because um, if you do get a piece of dust particle inside the drive and then after you close it up, you turn it on, chances are high that you're going to actually cause super damage to the platters because if the contamination gets in between the read-write heads and the platter, which the distance is less than 10 nanometers, beat that space, that dust particle is definitely going to cause damage to the platters. It might not be visible scratches, but it's going to be microscopic scratches that are going to get worse and worse the longer the driver's running. Now, uh, somebody, and I know we have people listening right now, that their computer stopped working. So what did they do? They put it in the corner, and they went and bought themselves another one, and they started over. But that drive sitting in the corner could have been the issue, and there could be that data that they want off that drive. Um, that So that's not a, a, a losing game here. You might be able to, to get that drive working and get the data back for those customers again. Uh, yes and no. So we definitely won't be able to get the drive working again, but the computer is there. Like you said, there's nothing wrong with the computer. Computer is perfectly fine. So we just pull the hard drive out of the computer, recover the data, put it onto their new hard drive in their computer and still use the same computer. But you're right. A lot of people do do the same thing. They don't go buy a brand new drive computer thinking that they need a new computer where the issue is only the hard drive itself. Yeah. Now, if you ever had them come in, uh, when they've gone through a fire, because some people have no idea the resilience of some of the data and some of the cases that uh, have you know stored this data, can stuff be recovered in that case? Uh, it could, depending on how uh, how severe the situation was. So a lot yeah. of times when we do get fire, what we see gets damaged is the housing of the drive and also the electronic board. So as long as it ends there and doesn't get inside of the actual enclosure where the platters are, then yes, of course, we could recover it. It becomes a more expensive, more extensive recovery because we now have to take the platters out of this housing and do a platter swap into another housing. Very complicated recovery, but yes, it is definitely possible as long as the fire doesn't get inside onto the platters to damage the actual platters. Now, Bahan, we talked about at the beginning, we were talking about the, the you know, the cost when it came to, you know, data recovery that we saw, you know, some years ago. And it was, it was very pricey to do. But uh, honestly, the, the process comes in stages, doesn't it? I mean, somebody sends you a drive. They're not sure what's going on with it. Uh, first, it could be logical, which if you could kind of cover that a little versus mechanical. And what would that entail? Of course. So uh, all of our prices are, are flat rate, and that's what we really wanted to do with the business and why we wanted to get in here was to make the prices more fair because this business is super lucrative. So most of these larger companies, and I don't mean to talk down about anybody, but the way this industry works is they kind of feel a customer out depending on how desperate you are for the data. Mm-hmm. So you can call a big company and I can call a big company with the same exact problem. We will both get two completely different prices. Oh, yeah. Whereas with companies like us, where we keep the whole flat rate pricing model, everything is said depending on what the issue is and what the problem is. So uh, logical recoveries means the drive does not have any kind of mechanical problems. The drive was not dropped. It's not making any clicking sounds, not making any beeping sounds. It's logical as in the computer can detect the drive. Of course, you don't see the data. It's not there, but the BIOS still recognizes that the drive is a Western Digital 1 terabyte or what it may be. Uh, But you can't get to the data. So that would mean the 
already has bad sectors, has a damaged file system, uh, bad file structure, um, things like that. So that yeah. would all be logical. The next step is if we have a mechanical issue with the drive. Yeah. And in terms of mechanical issues, we have two pricing models. We have one for $650 or we have one for $950. One would be the beeping issue and then the other one would be the clicking issue. Difference between beeping and clicking is the beeping is where the heads are stuck on the platters and then the clicking is when the read-write heads are actually physically damaged and have to be replaced. And then, of course, we do go a tier four, but 99% of cases fall within these three tiers. Only very severe cases, like you mentioned earlier, where we have a major flood or a fire. Those are the only ones that go to tier four, and that could get expensive, and those cases get quoted based on how much time and resources it would actually take. But again, 99% of cases don't fall within that category. Now, for our listeners that um, maybe are not PC-based, that are uh, Mac-based, can you also mm-hmm. recover Mac-based hard drives? Of course. So for us, it's all the same. Mac, PC, uh, Linux, it doesn't matter, RAID systems, any of these, it's all the same for us. Excellent. Uh, Okay, so Vahan, how do our listeners that maybe, and they should write this number down, uh, the website address to, in case this ever happens to them, and I I honestly hope it doesn't, but it does, it's happened to me, how can listeners find your services? Of course, best way is to either give us a call, 818 Four three four eight one eight eight, and then we'll explain the whole process. Spend some time with you over the phone, create a ticket for you, and then if you're local, great, you can bring it into us. If you're not, we do worldwide shipping, free shipping throughout the entire United States. Uh, or you can go to our website, which is www5 spelled out star data recovery completely spelled out dot com. Uh, on our website, you can go to the Start Recovery tab and choose to either drop off the drive or mail in the drive. And again, shipping is free uh, nationwide. And if you're not able to recover anything, is there a cost? You pay nothing. So we don't charge. We're one of the only companies that does not charge for any donor parts because the most expensive part of the cleanroom recovery is the more expensive recoveries is the cost of the actual parts we have to put into the case. So we take the risk out. The customer pays absolutely nothing until we actually get the data. All right. Now, uh, Vahan, I'd love to, to leave our listeners with a bit of advice when it comes to our data and our technology. So what, what piece of advice would you tell our listeners? Uh, number one advice is make sure you always have two backups. Um, one is not enough, two is great. If you can have three, even better, but always have two backups. Use programs, something what we like to use here is Carbon Copy Cloner. It'll help you clone one drive onto another drive. So maybe once a week, once a month, synchronize your backups. Make sure. So number one thing is make sure it's backed up. Second is stay on top of which drives are recommended. It's important to always stay on top of it, know what drives to use. I know for an average consumer, it's hard, like, oh, how are you going to make time to research to find out what drive is good, which one is bad? But your users and people on the radio show who are listening to this, they can always contact us, message us, live chat. We're happy to give free advice and tell them with the trends right now in the data recovery industry, which drives we recommend that are easier to recover from if they do fail. Now, smartphones, do you do, you do those too? If somebody has something that they just can't get anything off of it? Yeah. So with phones, there's there's things that could be done and things that can't be done. Yeah. So with phones, uh, cannot do deleted recovery. So if you formatted the phone, deleted a file off the phone or a text message, that can no longer be done on these newer phones because all the data is encrypted. But we can recover data from phones that are dropped in the water, uh, broken, driven over, any kind of physical damage, no power whatsoever. All those things we can recover from. The only thing that we can't do is deleted file recovery. 
Good deal. Once again, it's fivestardatarecovery.com. Vahan, thank you so much for coming on the show. Some great information, and hopefully our listeners have written it down because in case that ever happens, they know who to call. Thanks again. Thank you, Andy. Okay, we'll be back with more of Tech Talk Radio. And as a reminder, if you know somebody that has gone through this or they're going through this or they have that computer sitting in the the corner, (laughs) could they have it turned it on because they just couldn't get it to work? Could be the hard drive. Uh, You definitely want to reach out to Five Star Data Recovery and let them know that this interview is available on our website so maybe they can get the answers to the questions they have. Uh, Again, we'll be back with more of Tech Talk Radio. You can find us on the web at techtalkradio.com. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash techtalkradio. We'll be right back. And now, back to Tech Talk Radio. So this past week was NAB, which is the National Association of Broadcasters Big Conference in Las Vegas. Uh, I did not get to go, unfortunately, because we had a couple productions that we had to do at work. But one of the big topics of discussion was NDI, which is a network video protocol uh, much like analog or digital television, it, this is a network-based video protocol. It's made by a company called NewTek. Uh, they make switchers and other video equipment, but uh, their website is ndi.tv. Uh, it, if you want to kind of get a glimpse into what my world looks like right now, uh, ndi.tv, it's called NDI, and there's uh, tons of stuff. It's free to download. Uh, download it, check it out, play with it. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Now, is this where a camera can be set up somewhere and used remotely uh, for like a sporting event or for a uh, a classroom type lesson? Yeah, you can you can control everything remotely via NDI. So as long as you have a decent internet connection, like a, a decent connection, LAN connection, you can't. They do some over wireless, but it's not as stable and it's not as good because it's over wireless. But if you have a point to point connection, like if you have two devices plugged into the same switch or uh, router, you can communicate between the two devices and control cameras uh, from the computer or from a controller or joystick, those types of things. So uh, they have apps for your phone uh, that you can use and all sorts of stuff. It's uh, They even have uh, what they call NDI Bridge, which is kind of like a, I could start it on my computer and then you can connect to my IP address and see devices that are on my network over the internet. Oh, very cool. Hmm. I like that. Now, is anybody, just want to know, any of you upgraded to Windows 11 yet? No, and we're no? not doing it at work either because it's broken too much stuff. Oh, yeah. Some people oh. are saying that. We, we got a, I got a laptop from one of the companies I work for on the side, and they said, don't upgrade it to Windows 11 because if you do, it'll break. I, I've been having so many problems with Windows 11. I had a new, so one of the PCs that I got, the PC that I got for my new job is the Surface Pro 8 running Windows 11. And I'm having so many problems with things like my mechanical keyboard, my mouse. It's Windows 11 is horrible. So far, it's not been that great. I know I've had a a few issues with it as well. I've got it on my laptop that I carry around. And I'm kind of the same going, I just kind of wish it was Windows 10. I really Mm -hmm. do. I think that one was, I want to say almost bulletproof. I don't think they needed to reinvent the wheel. We haven't even talked about this. And I don't know if we'll cover it next week. But the big buyout, of course, Twitter. Um, for those that aren't on Twitter, basically it was Monday. I mean, it was just a regular Monday for people, $44 billion. Can that be, I mean, was that a smart move for, for Tim to buy it? Yeah. Yeah, Of course it was. Yeah. He's going to make so much money. Yeah. Well that not only that, but I mean, Twitter is just a cesspool, honestly, of, of stuff. And now that he's there and making it private, 
He can do whatever he wants with it. He can make it so that people can have that free speech again. Dude, seriously, Elon Musk is the closest thing we have to Tony Stark. Wait, by the way, if you don't know who Tony Stark is, he's Iron Man. <laughs> All right, good one. All right, that's it for this week's show. Uh, definitely, if you have a question or comment, make sure you drop us an email. Techguys at techtalkradio.com. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Sean DeWeird. And I'm Justin Lemmy. Once again, find us on the web at techtalkradio.com. Have yourselves a great week. We'll see you.